Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio. Looking forward to an in-depth discussion today on Coach Prep. Uh, this one uh, launches on November 15th. And as always, our Coach Prep segments are designed to be a more in-depth look at the coaching side of the game. Uh, for people that are looking to pick up some ideas or some pointers, things that uh, you can do to uh, help your teams be more successful. And today we're going to talk about bunting and specifically, Don, the sacrifice bunt. Sacrifice bunt is uh, really critical in a, a tight competitive game and setting. Yeah. Right. Well, um, we've talked about bunting a little bit in the past, especially on our uh, Everything Fast Pitch podcast. And uh, even this uh, past episode, we talked about uh, things about showcases that I hate. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about here at the very beginning is that uh, bunting is a skill that we need to practice and need to improve upon. But uh, for coaches, one of the things that we want to make sure that we understand is there's a time and a place where the sacrifice bunt is a crucial tool that you should be using on game day. And there's times that I don't think it's as beneficial as needs to be. Right. So when we're playing in showcase events, we just want to make sure we clear the air on this. Um, your job as a coach on, at a showcase, I think, is to get your kids as many at-bats as possible. And sacrifice bunting, while it's really important to your team success and going to help you be more successful in those big games, championship games, um, we want to give kids in showcases as much opportunity to swing the bat as possible. So while we're going to spend some time today talking about sacrifice bunting and getting better at it, um, we don't want Not you to showcase it in showcase yeah. events. Right. No, I think that's awesome. So sacrifice bunt, just to make sure we're talking about the same thing. We are looking at a situation where we've got base runners on base and we are bunting specifically to advance those base runners up into scoring position or more advantageous position to score. potential to score, right. And so typically we're thinking about sacrifice bunt when there's no outs. Occasionally with one out, um, you know, something that uh, um, I have done, you know, periodically over the course of my career is, is bunt with one out. But typically, we're looking at bunting when we get a leadoff base runner on base run uh, singular hit, double or singular or double whatever it is, yeah. and uh, trying to advance that person into scoring position. So sacrifice bunting. I think there's a couple of different things that we want to make sure that we're talking about. One is it's crucial for us as coaches to get our kids to understand what it means when we talk about sacrifice bunting. The t- key word is sacrifice. You are sacrificing yourself for the good of the team to give oneself up. Right. And a lot of players don't understand that concept. And so I think for us as coaches, we have to do a really good job of letting them understand a couple of things. We don't care if they get to first base. But coach, mom and dad will be mad if I don't get a hit. Right. We don't care about their batting average because a sacrifice bunt does not count against their batting average. A it does, successful A sac- successful sacrifice bunt yeah. is nothing on your batting average. It's, uh, it just goes down as a sacrifice. It doesn't count as an out. So letting and, them know. Right. Yeah. And so statistically, sometimes, you know, for, for players looking back at their season, having uh, been a successful sacrifice bunter, uh, when you look at your uh, spreadsheet at the end of the year, you know, when you see a bunch of sacrifice bunts, that's a, uh, an indicator that you're doing a good job of helping your team. Right. You know, it's beneficial for the team. Does it count against you? Right. And you're, you're expected. To be out. Yes. Yeah. And so the reason we want to make sure we start off with that conversation is, how many times do we see players trying so hard to be sneaky or tricky or fancy in Hide their bunting so long. Yeah. that they end up being unsuccessful in advancing the runner and unsuccessful at getting themselves on base at the same time? And so, you know, to me, the idea of sacrifice bunting uh, starts off with communication, so that the player and and ultimately, hopefully, the parents understand why it's such an important skill. Second part about that is, I think we as coaches need to celebrate and 
and recognize a successful sacrifice bunt just like we would any other big thing that somebody Make on the a team rewarded, does. a rewarded event. Yeah. Right? So if uh, one of your players gets a successful sacrifice bunt down, you know they've got that uh, tunnel of high fives coming into the dugout. They get greeted with a pat on the back. They get a high five from the coach at first base. We went so far when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, we gave out uh, helmet stickers. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that was, uh, you know, we had a system of, of ways that you could get them. And some of them were things that also celebrated something individual that was outstanding. You know, if you hit a home run, you got a sticker. Sure. Um, if you had a three hit game, you got a sticker. But if you had a sacrifice bunt, you always got a sticker. Yeah. Guess which player on our team had by far the most decorated. Number two slot. Yeah, the, the kid who was the best bunter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, not necessarily always in the two spot, but uh, but de- definitely the best bunter. They got and, it done. You know, we'd have a you know a big weekend series. We'd play you know a bunch of games, and on Monday we would always get together. Let's hand out the Eagles, and you know some kids obviously don't get any. You know, every once in a while we would do a team eagle if we had like a really successful you know weekend. You know, but we'd have you know one person would get one for a diving catch, and somebody else would get one for a. You know, three hit games. You know, one somebody else would get one for that diving stop that saved a run. But somebody would get four, and then somebody get four or five or eight or you know, I think uh, I think the record. I think uh, Samantha got seven eagles one Monday for bunting, and six of them were for eagles, and one was for a diving catch. Nice. Um, You know, now now Samantha was one of those players that played a hundred percent, thinking about what she could do to help the team, and she had all those uh, innate uh, abilities. But you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the kid who got one because she hit a home run is looking at her her helmet. She's got three stickers on hers, you know, and Samantha's got thirty. <laughs> you know, and it was funny, you because know, we getting uh, it done. You know, one of the things that we always uh, you know had to fight was when we'd have kids that uh, as returning players would have uh, an attachment to their helmet. They wouldn't want to upgrade to the new model or wouldn't want to get a new one, even though we would have a new version available to them because they had a helmet that already had a whole bunch of helmet stickers on it. Some serious sticker action. But so, uh, so coaches, we need to recognize it. We need to celebrate it. We need to make sure that we do a good job. And so if you want to do a helmet sticker, something like that, I think is great. Um, if you want to do, you know, a a sign in the dugout that you get a check mark next to your name, every time you get a sacrifice bunt, um, if you, you know, do something on your social media or your website where you recognize, uh, those sacrifice bunts, you know, one of the things I see all the time on social media um, is if somebody hits a home run, you know, we post it's a picture of them with the ball in their hand, you know, congratulations, Don, hit a home run at the whatever, whatever tournament this weekend. Uh, maybe we start to uh, recognize the sacrifice bunters the same way. So for some of the listeners, for the young listeners anyway, when we sacrifice a, a runner to second or third base, if we sacrifice them to third base, the pop fly can score them, right? Right. If we get a little little single through the infield with a runner on second, they can score from second, but they can't score from first. Right. That person needs to be rewarded, just like the person that got the the walk off single, or um, you know, or the pop fly uh, tagged out or tagged up uh, run that scored from third. Right. The sacrifice bunter is just as responsible, right? Yeah. And one of the things that you see all the time is, you know, if somebody gets that big hit that drives in that run, everybody's you know jumping up and down, and you know. You know, flexing and and you know and doing all their little signs and hand signals. It wouldn't have happened without the sacrifice. Right. Bunt. If that bunt had not been successful, we yeah. wouldn't have had that runner in scoring position. I so, love it. Um, so I think we start off with the education piece of it. We got to make sure that our players understand what it is, what it means, um, what's positive about it. Put away any of the ideas they have about why it's negative. 
Um, because again, you know, I think for a lot of players, especially young players, if they end up not making it to base safely, they think they failed. Right. Um, so that we get the, our players to understand that getting that bunt down successfully is the only thing that we're after. It's most important. And then we need yeah. to recognize it, reward it, uh, celebrate it. You know, one of the things uh, an old coaching friend of mine, you know, used to always say, "Well, I'm not going to get excited about a." bunts a sacrifice bunt everybody should be able to bunt Uh, and but the flip side of it was uh, that might have been maybe the worst bunting team i've ever seen i'm sure right Uh, you know you reap what you sow well and as you're saying that tori you're when when this is explained it kind of helps in the timing that we're about to talk about and it's different timing for a sacrifice bunt than a base hit bunt right yeah yeah so the nuts and bolts of bunting from we're talking, talking about a sacrifice bunt I've always taught what I call angle bunting, which is basically I start off in my batting stance and then I pivot both feet. I'm not as uh, big a fan of, you know, stepping, standing square. You know, you see sometimes that you'll see a hitter will position herself so her, you know, her chest is basically square to the pitcher. I don't like um, that and, either. And, and I'm not a fan of that. Now, some people are, and, and if you're going to teach we, that, we just s- make sure you practice it enough that your kids are good at it. Well, we saw a bad experience with the Braves this year, too. When yeah. you square up like that, there's nowhere to go. And, and squared it up right into his beak. Yeah. Now, of course, you know our, our players would have a face mask on, but I've seen kids um, un- under the go. mask, you know, into the throat, those kinds of things. Yeah. But so we start off in our batting stance. Um, as the pitcher begins to get ready to deliver the pitch in this sacrifice situation, we are going to square around early. We're going to get squared around in plenty of time. No question. So that there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to be able to get my body into the position it needs to be in. And so the way I teach bunting, we talk about some P's. And for our coaching friends, um, if you want to check out our YouTube channel on fastpitchprep.com, there are videos that go along with this discussion. So you can uh, see this uh, um, laid out and, and, and talked about. Coach Don and I both do um, little uh, mini seminars, a couple-minute videos about uh, bunting. But I always talk about the P's. And so the P's of sacrifice bunting to me are we start off with the pivot. Second part is we talk about push, which to me means pushing my hands away from my body so that the bat is now um, out in front of my body, visible. visible. So we're going to pivot, we're going to push, we're going to uh, peak. We want to be able to see the bat and the ball in the same frame. So when I pivot my feet and I push the bat away from my body, that I'm going to have the bat far enough out in front that as the ball's coming in, I can see the ball in the same frame as the bat. And so that means my body's going to have to be in a pretty athletic position. I'm going to be bent at the knees. I'm going to be bent at the waist. Um, I'm going to position myself so that I can see the bat and the ball coming together. Nice. And that gives me a really good opportunity then, hopefully, to be successful in bunting because I'm simplifying the operation. Now, there's some other P's that are in the, in the YouTube video that you can talk about and how we grip the bat. You know, we always talk about pulling the bat down and pushing the hands forward. Um, I was talking about pinching the barrel, you know, so that we're holding the barrel in a good firm position, but still um, with enough control that we're going to be able to, you know, manipulate the barrel of the bat. But we want to make sure that we get squared around early. We want to see the bat and the ball in the same visual frame, and we want to be athletic enough that we can move our body up and down. Nice, I like it. Okay, yeah, and then other other pieces that we might be mindful of is uh, in the batter's box, being way up in the front of the box to uh, create a bigger angle of fair play and balls that are that are bunted straight down aren't jumping off the plate, um, that they stay fair. 
I know I really like the the pivot piece because that does protect us a little bit and gives us more options in terms of right. you know balls that are thrown at us. Well, and being in the front of the box, I think, is a crucial part of this because it makes it so much more likely that you're going to be able to get the ball down in fair in territory. Fair territory. You know, it, it, one thing for sure, if we if we uh, are going to be successful in bunting, we, you know, we want the ball far enough out in front of home plate that the catcher can't just pop up and snag it. Yes. So we, we want to force that corner infielder to be the person to come in and make the play. Or if we're lucky, maybe we can get the pitcher involved. No, I know, right? <laughs> you know, because we know that sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing for fielding for, for some teams. And especially if we know something about, you know, about our opponent. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that getting up in the front of the box is a really important part. Yep. So up in the box and then uh, sometimes to get in a little tighter on the, the batter's box line allows us to uh, reach out more towards the pitcher. And, and not have to reach away, like Tori, like you we were saying, to keep it all in, in one picture frame. I think that can be helpful too a little bit. And uh, starting at the top of the strike zone, if we start when we squared a bunt, if we stay at the very top of the strike zone, there's, you know, that's a parameter that's, there's no reason to move up. If we feel that the pitch is going to make us move up, it's not a strike and we're going to bunt strikes only. Starting at the top of the strike zone is nice and uh, I like to see a little bit of an angle where our bat barrels a little bit higher than our hands, so that if we do fine-tune at the very end, uh, right prior to contact, if we fine-tune, our bat barrel doesn't go any lower than our hands right. optimally. But uh, real active knees, keeping that uh, bat barrel in the same spot in our vision can be helpful. Right. Well, and that's something yeah. I think that we really need to practice. You know, When we talk about peaking over the barrel, the reason that's so important is when we watch hitters, the biggest weakness I see is that uh, they square around a bunt, their body's very upright, and the bat is nowhere near head high. It's nowhere near the t- top of the strike zone. They're just like, uh, holding so they their bat down like their like, head to see yeah, like, the, like, yeah. you know, belly button high. So the bat's belly button high, but their eyes are head high. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I was not that good at geometry. Right. So here's what I know. If I, if I get my body into a really good position, and if I can see the bat and the ball in the same frame, all I have to do is touch the bat with the ball or ball with the bat. Right. If the bat's down at my waist and my head's up where it's normally supposed to be and the ball's coming in, now I've got to figure out, well, where's the bat really? Where are my eyes really? Where's the ball really? And try to do all this geometry of figuring out where the ball is in relationship to my body. I and think the, that's pretty difficult. That timing with a pitch is crazy. Right. Yeah. And so to me, that's the biggest weakness I see in bunting is that we've got kids that have that bat way too low have no idea where the bat really is in relationship to the ball. Now, they might still make contact, but the chances of them popping it up, I think, go up geometrically. Well, and the timing, like you said at the very beginning, Tori, the timing of getting there early is critical. I see so many that try to hide it because they really deep down want to be safe. So they think, if I hide it a little bit longer, maybe I'm fast, I can put pressure on them. But uh, in reality, that's not the end goal. Right. And uh, so the timing of part of it is important. And what I would recommend to all our coaches is as we're working on bunting, whether it's a toss or a pitching machine or even live pitching, to encourage our players to be in that good athletic position, bent at the waist, bent at the knees. And what we want to do is, as you mentioned, Don, we're going to start at the top of the strike zone. If the ball's lower in the zone, we're going to lower our whole body, but my bat and my head stay oriented the same way. So we work with the knees first. Right. And then we get to the point where if I get low enough that the ball is at the bottom of the strike zone, then I'm going to let that pitch go by too. Take. Um, now, the one thing I will say, though, a pitch that's at the very bottom of the strike zone, we should be able to get bunted should be easy to down get to down. the ground, Yeah, uh, less likely to pop up. 
Uh, but we want to work on that uh, mobility, that ability to start out at the top of the zone and then lower my whole body to keep the bat and my eyes connected together. Active knees and then fine-tune with the hands at the very end. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and every time I've seen somebody you know, basically just drop their hands at the last second to try to adjust to a pitch that's a little bit lower, I've seen Eeks. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of bad things happen. You know, the one we've talked about now, um, you know, once upon a time, I saw a player bunt a ball square straight back into her face. Now, this was back a long time ago before we all had the masks. We've all seen that, um, yeah. uh, I think the blood was on the dirt before the ball actually got to the ground. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was so nasty looking. Yeah. You know, now, yeah. fortunately, you know, now that is less likely to happen with the face masks, um, but we want to still be thinking about uh, ability to get there and to get there early enough and in a good enough position to get the ball bunted. The trade-off is when we square early, the defense knows that we're likely to bunt. But here's my argument to that. Who are you really fooling? Right. If, they're, if you're playing a really important game, and there's a runner at first base or a runner at first and second base or a runner at second base with nobody out, if the corner infielders are not anticipating bunt... ITB. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, probably, you probably don't need to bunt because they're probably so bad that you should be killing them anyhow. <laughs> but any team that's worth a nickel is going to look at that situation and be talking already, hey, expect the bunt here, you know, look for it, expect it. You know, you know, when we talk about bunt defense, and we're going to cover that again uh, in a future episode... You know, we're telling our corner infielders to read those hands, and as soon as they see a movement that makes them think bunt, you know, they are charging and they're yelling bunt, bunt, bunt as loud as they can to get everybody, you know, positioned where they're supposed to. So it allows the defense to put a little bit more pressure on you, but your success rate of getting the ball bunted down consistently goes up so much more that the trade-off, I think, is well worth it. A good bunt with good base running and good anticipation, you know, getting a decent lead and be moving knowing that a bunt is, is uh, you know, to be anticipated. I think a, a reasonable runner with a with a solid bunt, it's very hard to get that lead runner. Right. And and the team that is that good is, you know, that's going to you know make plays on lead runners, you just got to tip your hat to them sometimes. Sure. It doesn't mean that your strategy was was faulty. But so we got to think about the, the mechanics of what we're doing. So number one, we're going to square up early. And again, I like the, the P's of bunting because I think it's real easy for kids to kind of go through that checklist of pivot, push, pull, point, pinch, that kind of stuff, you know, kind of gives them a, a little checklist, you know, that, that's easy to, easy to remember. Keep focused. Um, and then the last one that, that goes along with that, the last P that I talk about is point. Because I think what it does then, it gives you the opportunity if you get squared around early enough and you're in a good enough position to control the bat head enough to point at where you want the ball to go. So let's you know just say um, the third baseman's super athletic, super aggressive. First baseman's maybe not quite as aggressive, not quite as athletic. As I square around, I've already been able to read where the defense is with a very small movement, still keeping the bat and the ball in the same frame. Now I can bunt the ball down the first baseline. If the third baseman's a little bit slow, doesn't get a good break, maybe because we've got a runner at second, um, the third baseman's the going base. back to cover, then I can bunt down the third baseline and make the pitcher make that play. And so it gives me a lot of control and a lot of options. And, and again, also is going to open some doors. You know, later on, we're going to talk about the additional bunts, the more offensive bunts that we can add to angle bunting. But when we got, you know, start off with that angle bunting format, um, you know, it puts us, I believe, in the best position to be a great sacrifice bunter. It's also going to open up the push bunt. It's going to open up the slug bunt. It's going to open up the uh, uh, fake bunt swing. Show, show bunt hit away. Yeah, it's yeah. going to open up the sack slug sack. 
You know, there's a lot of things that that, that angle bunting platform is going to offer to us, which is, you know, again, why I like it so much. But the most important thing is I think it's the best way to be the best sacrifice bunter you can possibly be. Another piece, and you kind of mentioned that we'll talk about it that's at some point, but that show bunt hit away, if it looks exactly the same in its timing to our sacrifice bunt, that throws a little bit of doubt in into those fielders' uh, minds that, hey, maybe it's not that safe to get in there that close because I've seen them earlier in this game show bunt just like that, pull back and hit away and crush a ball through the infield or in the right. gap or, or even foul a big pitch off with a, with a good full swing from that same timing and that same positioning. Like you said, with a pivot rather than a whole you know, square up uh, show bunt. Um, that puts a lot of doubt in those corners' uh, minds about getting in there too tight. So right. if we've shown that, the timing on the sacrifice bunt needs to look the same and just be a different, uh, you know, a different event. Right. And so now for us as coaches, it's important that we, one, are spending enough time working on this that we know for sure we're going to have confidence in our ability to do it. And we already talked about, I don't want you bunting in, in showcases because those are supposed to be designed to showcase your kids. Really? So when yeah. you get to work on it, practice 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 but here's what we have to do we have to amp up the stakes at practice to make it more realistic we can't you know uh, allow ourselves to practice bunting halfway and then expect to be all the way in on it um, on game day so maybe we start to build in some consequences we make it competitive we start to do target bunting different kinds of things but i think a, a really good tool to use is you know as you're working through your hitting you know, almost everybody's going to have one, at least one station where it's going to be live hint hitting, whether it's in the cage or uh, on the field. So let's say when it's your turn to get on the field, you're going to get 15 pitches, but yeah. you don't get to swing until you get three successful sacrifice bunts down. So you get to decide how many how many big cuts you get. Right. So if you, if you want to take yeah. a shot at hitting, you know, 12 you home 12. runs out of your 15 pitches you better get those three you gotta down. get those first three bunts down yeah, and like if, as, as your bunters get better it can be you don't get to hit until you get one down the third baseline one down the first baseline and one back up the middle because we think this pitcher can't field nice i like it okay so you're you know the standard's going to change but i think that's a great way because then it motivates kids to want to be good at it because then they flip side get to do the thing that they really want to do you know what we don't see much more any of anymore tori is uh playing pepper you know, no. pep, pepper and bunting. I mean, just seeing a ball come and being able to, uh, you know, try and bunt it back to the next person in the pepper line and then to the next person. And, you know, just seeing the bat and ball come together and yeah. being familiar with that, I think is real helpful. Yeah. Well, and that could be a drill that we could build into practice. Yeah. You know? But but here's the, the just think caveat. think of the reps. Yeah. yeah. You could get tons of reps, but we've got to make sure that our players don't turn it into some sort of grab astic kind of thing where they're just you know not kind of going through the motions we don't want them just half swinging you don't want them just poking at the ball so let's say um you know you get to keep bunting as long as you are you know successful yeah so um you're going to be much more likely to stay in your good position you know maybe you have to be able to bunt it all the way down the line so let's say there's five kids that are tossing me the ball you know it starts with the person on the left i've got to be able to bunt it back to her then the next person the next person the next person again to make it more challenging and, and to make it more competitive um, so that those kids are, are going to stay focused on it. Sure. Yeah. You make a bad, a bad pitch or a bad throw, you get bumped down the line. Yep. Like, or, or yeah. as soon, as soon as you miss a bunt, you go back to the end of the fielding line. And if you've got a bunch of good teammates, yep. uh, you might never get to touch the bat again. So make some fun rules in there. Yeah. And so, uh, but I think we have to, we have to figure out ways to practice it and you can use a pitching machine. That could be a secondary, 
uh, station set up uh, on the side at, at at practice. You know, one of the th- I'm not a big fan of pitching machines for hitting practice, but I think for the idea of getting you know your reps down, you know, seeing the ball, bunting a ball that's got a little bit more pace on it, you know, yep. that's a little bit faster. You know, I think you know bunting got a little rise to it off the pitching machine, yep. and, and so make a nice rise ball. Yeah, so coaches, that that's our challenge to you is if. Uh, we want to be good bunters. Now we've got to figure out as many ways as we possibly can to make bunting challenging and exciting and something that we're going to do in practice. So I'd like for us to hear about some of their, some of their games and things they do so right. we can share it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, if you have ideas, things that you're doing in practice already that are competitive or fun, um, you know, go ahead and send those along to us. Um, we are in the process of working on uh, expanding the YouTube channel again here. Um, and uh, if there's some good ideas out there, we'd love to add them and uh, certainly give credit to Anybody that suggests something that we can can add to the portfolio, we'll send you a T-shirt just like we would uh, somebody who uh, uh, contributes a review and uh, and to everything fast pitch. But it's up to us as coaches. I think one of the things that we can say across the board, and this is something I will admit, I don't think I always had really good bunting teams. Now I think we had kids on every team that were good bunters, but it wasn't because I was doing a great job of teaching it or encouraging it. Um, I think that it's um, fun to win those tight games. Yep. You got to be able to bunt. Yeah. And, and I think though, the, the, the challenge is for us as coaches is to, you know, emphasize the things that are important to us. And if we want to be good at bunting, you know, then we've got to make sure that we're doing all the things that we've talked about today. We've got to communicate. We've got to reinforce. We've got to practice. We've got to teach what we want. And then we have to make sure that we're giving our kids enough repetition, enough practice time that their confidence level is going to build where they feel good about their opportunities to be skilled yeah and i think if we do those things as coaches we're going to be shocked and and, and pleasantly uh um, and very pleasantly surprised with how good our Excited kids can be it. at it and how, yeah. how, how many more games it's going to help us win so so that's the sacrifice bunt next week we're going to talk about the next step in the bunting tree all the offensive things that can go along with uh um angle bunting that uh, open some doors and and are going to add a whole lot of uh uh, zip and pip to your to your team offense. I love it. So we got defenders that are shifting and moving in those bunt situations. So we might be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, and a lot of things that uh, that we're going to be able to add to your uh, offensive toolbox. And again, I think there are going to be the things that your kids are going to be excited to work on and excited to learn because um, it's just going to open that many more doors for them uh, and and more doors for your team to be successful. Nice. So that's episode number eight of Coach Prep. If you have suggestions, ideas, or questions, please contact us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Coach Don and I would be more than happy to discuss anything that you're interested in talking about. Um, We are loving Coach Prep and getting a lot of really positive feedback from it. So next week we'll be talking about um, the rest of the tools that uh, Angle Bunting is going to provide for you and your team. So for Coach Don McKinley, this is Coach Corey Atchison in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks for listening to Coach Prep.